Hey, I'm Steph. And I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. feel silly <laughs> <laughs> do you know what time it is at this current moment it's about damn time yes we were opening to lizzo's new song we wanted to play it as an intro honestly but <laughs> well you wanted to play it as an intro you were really jamming i wanted to play it it's a good song it's a really good song but i don't know i think we might get copyrighted but like also who cares <laughs> whatever you lizzo know, let laws, it slide. whatever <laughs> what's Wait, up uh not much i just finished work so that's good. Here we are rec- recording. I'm very interesting today. You're super interesting, yeah. yeah. Just a lot of coding and... Do you guys... Uh, very unique. You guys also have jobs? Right. <laughs> Go to work. What do we have off the top? Anything interesting? Any Sherry Papini updates? No. I don't think so. I don't think I have any Sherry Papini updates. This week was honestly tough. <laughs> With yeah. everything going on in the world... And in the United States specifically, it's, and the Supreme and Court also specifically, the world also. But like, yeah, oh my God! I mean, I kind of sometimes struggle with the idea of like bringing up certain things on the podcast because personally, I come to podcasts at, for like an escape, you know. Right. And like, I want to listen to the shows that I like to like maybe escape the stressors of my life you know fair enough so i'm not gonna like really talk about it but it has deeply affected me this week as i'm sure it's deeply affected many people yeah so i don't know i i i recently was assigned gratitude journaling by my therapist yeah that's a good thing to take up it it is however if you follow the news it can kind of seem like i don't know (laughs) Small. Small and stupid. Yeah. You're like, the entire world's falling apart, it feels like. But also, I had a really good avocado toast this morning. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It's like, well, there might be a nuclear war, but But... let me tell you, that buttered toast this morning on Asiago bread. mm. Might get our rights taken away, but I had a really good smoothie this afternoon. Sandwich from Jersey Mike's. Right. Uh, It is is silly. But sometimes you just need to enjoy the little things, you know, because... Very true. As we've said before, life is an unending horror. It really is. Yeah. So... Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's go into the story. What do we got today? We're going to be talking about someone who took a lot of PCP and did some really terrible shit. Fuck. Yeah. But before we jump into the story, I did just want to give a very quick trigger warning. This story does involve the stabbing of a child, so it does get quite intense. But thankfully, this is a survivor podcast. Right. (laughs) So she's going to live, as will the other people involved in this attack. But anyway, let's just get into it. So we're going to be talking about Mihalina Ortega and her neighbor, Yvonne. Okay. Okay. So, our story takes place in 2001 in Sacramento, California. 11-year-old Mihalina lived alone with her father, Michael, at the time, and she lived with both of her parents until she was nine months old, and then her parents separated, and after that, her mother just disappeared. So, her mother was no longer in the picture after nine months of, you know, her being alive. So, from then on, she lived only with her dad. What? Like, I don't know. I always expect this from, like, the father. It seems like unique or like not unique but 
less common? Yeah, like, I'd did say... she have perhaps like a an addiction issue? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised considering what's going to happen with the father, but um, I don't know. I just know that she was there until she was nine months, and then she was gone. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. So he was overall a good dad, according to Mihalina, since he tried, but he had his problems, which is an understatement. He had problems with drinking and drugs, and he would go out partying all the time. She said she loved her dad, but she was also scared of him. She wanted to live with him, but then again, she didn't. Overall, she wanted him to get better and change because she had seen him when he wasn't using, and that was great, but as time went on, his drug and alcohol abuse only got worse, which I feel like is the case for many people who, you know, struggle with addiction. Right, yeah, I mean, it's just you always want more, right? Right. Not only was his drug abuse an issue, but Mihalina also recalled that it seemed as if someone was always after them, whether he owed someone money or he was just in a a bad situation. They had a ton of locks on their front door, and often he would sleep in the living room just so he could hear if anyone walked by their front door. Wow. So I'm sure he was in some really shady business, but also he was very paranoid and extremely panicked i'm sure due to the excessive drug use he was you know doing yeah oh my god how can you grow up in a home like that like you're never gonna feel safe no definitely i mean she was only 11 this poor girl i know so yvonne lived in the same apartment complex as mihalina and yvonne and her two kids lived only one apartment down from her and her father And her daughter, Olivia, played with Mihalina from time to time. However, they always had to play at Mihalina's place because her father wouldn't allow her to go outside. So not only was he extremely paranoid about, you know, people after him, but he was just, he wouldn't even let Mihalina out of the house. Like, he had an extremely tight leash on his daughter as well. So Yvonne knew of Mihalina, obviously, but she didn't really know her since she never saw her. She said as a mother, she just felt really bad for her since her mother wasn't in the picture and her father seemed to be very strict and also mean. Olivia really liked to play with her, but she told her mother that she wasn't very comfortable over there because Michael scared her as well. She said he was just weird and would stand over them just watching them play. So because of that, Olivia didn't really play with Mihalina as much as she would have liked. And... Michael's main drug of choice was PCP, like I had said. So what is PCP? PCP is, let's see if I can pronounce this, fencid, hello? Fencyclidine. 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 Look, we we learned something new today. Put that in the gratitude journal. (laughs) So fencyclidine or PCP, is also known as angel dust. It's an illegal psychedelic drug that induces hallucination and produces a feeling of detachment from oneself and one's surroundings. It makes all pain... It makes pain all but irrelevant to the user, and this lack of pain response is what leads to the myth that PCP gives people superhuman strength. It doesn't actually make people any stronger than they actually are, but it does keep them from feeling the pain associated with overworked muscles and bones. So they can pretty much make their body go to its limits without feeling any kind of pain. Yeah, no, I was going to say my limited perception of what this is is usually when people go nuts and then the cops try to arrest them. And, and then they can't. 
Yeah, and then they just run, right? Like, it takes multiple cops to exactly. pin them down. Yes, we are going to talk about that. So it was originally developed in the 1950s as a surgical anesthetic known as Cernal, but the drug was discontinued in 1967 after it was found to cause agitation and mania, hallucinations, and irrational thinking in patients following its use. And after that, it was limited to veterinary use only. In 1979, legal manufacturing of PCP in the United States was suspended. So it is now a Schedule II controlled substance in the U.S. because it carries a high potential for abuse and may lead to severe psychological or physical dependence. Wow. Wait, so they still allow this for veterinary use? Apparently, yeah. Dude, imagine like a bowl on PCP. (laughs) I don't think they're putting a bowl on PCP. But I'm just saying like... Isn't that nuts? It probably just takes the pain away from certain procedures. I mean, but like, what if you give it to like a big dog? Yeah, that, you know, that sounds scary, but also I'm sure they're not going to give the amount of PCP to make him or her (laughs) or them (laughs) (laughs) freak out, you know? Oh my God. Also, (laughs) you said it's scheduled too. Yeah. That is a lower schedule than marijuana. No shit. No, you're no, it's not. Yeah, it is. Marijuana Schedule 1. Can you fucking believe that? That's disgusting. It's just like, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, we've okay. really derailed here. Yeah, well, that's... We go back to criticism of the government. Oh, well, we could, but we're we not going to. We could really do a whole episode. So we really could. So anyway, the psychiatric effects vary widely, but it is considered dangerous. It used to have been linked to violent and aggressive actions, psychosis, and risk of accidental death. An overdose can be life-threatening, and hospitalization is often necessary to help someone stop using PCP. So once they're addicted, you kind of have to, you know, be checked into a hospital to get off of it. Probably kind of like heroin, you know? Right. Is it like a physical dependence, too? Like, if you stop, you could die? No. So you're not going to die because of withdrawals, but it's incredibly hard to stop on your own, and also you probably need to be under the care of a doctor just in general, you know? Right. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. It is made illegally in secret laboratories along with dozens of analogs, which are drugs that are chemically similar and are available on the street. It is thought to be made primarily in the U.S., mostly in Southern California, but it is distributed across the country. So we're the we're the mainland of PCP, baby. (laughs) Aren't you so excited about? Yeah. Yeah. Is that something to be proud of? No, it just means that we have risk of zombie attacks, kind of. I don't know, man. You know, so the following are street names for PCP. Uh, So it's Angel Dust is the main one, and then there's Elephant Tranquilizer, (laughs) embalming. People are going up. To drug dealers being like, do you have elephant tranquilizer? Imagine taking a drug that is also referred to as elephant tranquilizer. Or even this one, embalming fluid. What? You you want to be shot up with embalming fluid? Each week, I speak to inspirational people. Each one of them has been on their own remarkable journey. They've all chosen to share their stories with one aim, that if people can relate and get comfort from it, if it can help someone, as one of my guests said, there's so much going on in the world. We should be focusing on helping one another and making each other better. Each one is a superhero. 
not because they have special powers, it's because in spite of what they've gone through, they keep on going. I find them remarkable. Please listen to Chatterholic and hear their stories. What the Ew. hell? I mean, what do you say? Like, I would like one embalming fluid. One embalming fluid, sir? Please? <laughs> May I have one drug? We do drugs. <laughs> right. So, okay, so elephant tranquilizer, embalming fluid, hog, ozone, whack, killer joints, the the peace pill, rocket fuel, <laughs> no, wait, rocket fuel, and super grass. These are some good names. They're kind of fun. Hog? Yeah. Whack. You got that hog. I got a killer joints, dude. Oh my god. Um, PCP is a white crystalline bitter tasting powder that quickly dissolves in water or alcohol and users may smoke, snort, swallow, or inject PCP. But also, leafy plants such as mint, parsley, or marijuana are often sprayed with the chemical or rolled in a joint or a rolled joint is dipped into PCP and then smoked. So that's incredibly scary because if you are just like out and you like let's say buy a joint on the street you could potentially have a joint that has been dipped in pcp damn or you know you go to a sketchy party and someone's passing around a joint and you don't know that it's like literally laced with pcp isn't that terrifying yeah well glad we're in california i know exactly yeah i can just go to a dispensary yeah (laughs) right PCP can also cause a person to experience euphoria, sound, image, and body distortion, depersonalization or feelings of detachment, loss of balance and coordination, loss of sensation and inability to feel pain, acute anxiety, agitation, and mood swings, feelings of impending doom, numbness in the arms and legs, and other people may notice that the user is showing poor coordination and an unsteady gait, bloodshot eyes and rapid eye movements, slurred and or garbled speech or difficulty talking, confusion and disorientation, a blank stare, stupor or lack of movement, combativeness or aggression, or bizarre behavior. The list will keep going. I'm literally not joking. (laughs) Are you done? They may be drooling. It can also lead to... Oh my god. I'm not joking. Rigid muscles, delusions, amnesia or memory loss, chills and sweating, irregular heartbeat and low blood pressure, reduced breathing rate, dizziness, nausea and vomiting, and high doses can lead to seizures, coma, damage to the skeletal muscles known as... Rhabdomolysis. I don't know what the fuck I just said, but I said a word. And then death. (laughs) So ask your provider about PCP today. (laughs) No, it's literally like those commercials. I know. This this whole time I'm like, oh, this is an ad. The whole time I'm reading that list of shit that can go wrong, there's someone like playing tennis or like swimming in the background. Calming music. (laughs) She's like having dinner with her family and like they're all celebrating. And I'm like, or death. (laughs) Uh, Also, people may develop a type of psychosis similar to that seen in schizophrenia. So a sense of super strength and invulnerability combined with the inability to feel pain and poor judgment can lead to serious injury, like I've said. And the drug drives up your body temperature so users can get unbearably hot and may take off their clothing and dive into a body of water. 
or anything that looks like water in an attempt to cool off. And when a police officer was asked about somebody who was high on PCP, they said, if you see a wet naked guy in the station wearing two pairs of handcuffs, that's a PCP user. Holy shit. (laughs) When researching about PCP, I was like, let's find out what other things have happened to people on PCP. And it's insane. So police had tased a guy who was high on PCP to no avail. So this man, Marcus Anthony Moretelli, was high on PCP when he strolled into a McDonald's and began taking off his clothes and arguing with himself in front of a bunch of dining families. And when the police showed up, they targeted him with their tasers, but they had absolutely no effect on him. And then they had to physically take him out of the McDonald's with like four or five cops. And they had to like restrain him on the ground with like multiple people. Then there was another man who took PCP and attempted to eat his son's eyeballs. Oh my God. He was unsuccessful, but he attempted. (laughs) Thank God. Jesus. And then there was a Houston rapper who took PCP and actually ate his girlfriend. And I'm not going to get into the specifics of that because it's absolutely disgusting and gruesome and horrifying. But this rapper named Big Lurch took PCP and literally ate his girlfriend. All right. Yeah. So this is what PCP is. Imagine learning about this drug and being like, sick, I want to do it. I mean, (laughs) I feel like uh, once you've maybe realized that it's as bad as it is, maybe it's too late. Maybe. That's hopeful. Oh my God. But anyway, Mihalina said that she would know when her dad was on PCP because he would be shaking and sweaty and he would sit really weird. And she said the look on his face would get really angry and turn to pure hate and anger. So it's not unsurprising that she could tell when her dad was high on PCP because it's an extremely crazy drug. On one occasion, she confronted her father crying because he had promised her that he wouldn't do this anymore because he got mean when he did PCP. And again, he told her he wouldn't do it again, which didn't mean much to her because he had said that before. But, you know, she went to bed because there wasn't much she could really do. The next morning, she woke up to her father in an absolute tirade. He was screaming and then began punching the refrigerator over and over again to the point where there were dents in it and there was blood all over his hands and the fridge. Yeah, I mean, you can't feel anything, right? No, yeah. So not long after that, the cops showed up because someone made a noise complaint. And when the police saw the fridge and the dents and the blood and his busted hands, they took him outside and they arrested him. Mihalina, seeing her father brought to jail, was relieved because, you know, she was terrified in that moment. But it was also bad because despite this, she loved her dad and she didn't know what this meant for her living situation. Right. I mean, this poor girl, like everything's just up in the air. Yeah. It's incredibly it's sad. Such a, it's a weird thing because, you know, you want him to, you know, be subdued, but mm-hmm. like you also don't want to leave him. Yeah. You don't want your you know, dad to be arrested, a... but also he kind of needed to be in that moment. Yeah. And that's like a lot for an 11-year-old to understand. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's such a contradiction, like mix of feelings. Yeah. So while her father was in jail, she was placed in foster care and spent a week in custody or while her father spent a week in custody. So on August 28th, after that week was up, the social workers came to the home she had been placed in and told Mihalina that she was going to get to go home with her father. 
And this was really surprising because this wasn't the first time she had been taken from her father and put into the system. And the last time that happened, she had been separated from her father for a year and a half before they were reunited. Wow. So the fact that this was only a week was extremely shocking. Not only that, but when she was released to her father, she said that he was still acting very strange, so she knew that he was still under the influence in front of these social workers. So nothing about this felt right. It was extremely shocking that they would release her back to him after a week, one, and two, while he was still high. Apparently, the reason Mihalina was released to her father was because the CPS social worker on her case was a rookie and had not conducted adequate investigation. Ah, fuck. Child Protective Services has 48 hours to investigate and make the initial decision whether to release a child from protective custody. The social worker who had started at CPS only two weeks before being assigned to Mihalina's case had only handled one other case before this. And do they not have kind of a more senior person kind of go over their work? I'm just thinking, like, in any job that you have, you, if you're new, Mm -hmm. a person with more experience will usually check your work, at least for a little bit. Right. I think that this new, like, social worker didn't check with anyone or, like, ask any questions or really conduct the proper assessments, if you will. Like, they just kind of were like, okay, it's fine. You can go now. So, huge oversight on this one. Like, bad. I mean, I get that if you're working at, like, a 7-Eleven and you forget to stock no, right. something, but this is a child's life. Exactly. You, know, you should maybe do a little more due diligence. Definitely. Definitely. Especially with, like, a vulnerable 11-year-old girl. Was there nothing in the file? Like, the father is addicted to PCP? Oh, there was plenty in the file. He had, like, a bunch of prior convictions and shit. We're going to talk about that later, but... I just wanted to, like, put that in there as, like, a the fact that this was a mistake, that she was released to her father. This whole thing could have been avoided because of this. So, anyway, she said that her father was really sly about his drug use. So, he was able to switch back and forth between acting semi-normal and not being able to hide it as well. But that's coming from, like, an 11-year-old's perspective. I feel like, as an adult, you can probably identify somebody who's under the influence better than an 11 year old can you know maybe but i mean she's also lived with him longer that's a fair point yeah that's true okay and i don't know maybe the social worker didn't have any experience with people addicted to pcp maybe you know i guess but i don't know i'm not letting them off the hook that easy yeah no but to make things even worse once she was in his quote-unquote care Melina had noticed that her father had a steak knife in his back pocket which was extremely scary because he had hit her and kicked her before, but he had never threatened her with a weapon. So when they made it home, they walked up to the house and walked inside their apartment, and as soon as they were inside, he slammed the door behind them and locked it. Mihalina knew that the situation she was in was pretty bad, but she was just doing whatever he said to try to keep him from getting any more agitated than he already was. She made it into the kitchen and decided that she would just try to cook something since she was hungry. But as she was walking around the apartment, he was just sitting on the couch, staring at her. She asked him what was wrong, but he told her nothing. And she said, okay, well, I need to do some laundry. Because the next day, she was going to be starting the sixth grade and needed to have clean clothes since she had just spent a week in foster care. 
She was just starting sixth grade to put into perspective. Like we know 11 years old is young, but when I read that part, I was like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. But when she went to grab her clothes, he said, you're not going to need any laundry, which is an incredibly ominous thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? He's just staring at you. Yes. With a steak knife in his back pocket. That's the only thing he said. Right. But then after that, he tells her that she should call her aunt to come pick her up because it isn't safe for her to be here. So, of course, she calls her aunt and tells her that her father said that she needed to come pick her up. And she tells her aunt that her father is tripping out and that she wasn't safe there. But her aunt told her that she couldn't come pick her up. Huh? Yeah. The aunt was like, no, I can't. Sorry. Even though Mihalina was like, my dad is really scary right now and i am unsafe not much of an aunt seriously at that point the both of them were on the couch meaning mihalina and her father i'm sorry what the fuck is she doing <laughs> right what is so important that you can't drop what you're doing to go pick up your your niece from an unsafe situation i don't think there's anyone in my life that if they called me and said that they were in an unsafe situation i would not drop what i was doing to go get them yeah, people I've known less than a year, I would do that for. Yeah, 100%. If I, well, I mean, the girl that was at the oh, bar. Yeah. There was a girl at, at my bar that I worked at that was like actively being creeped on. There were active predators around her trying to like be creepy and they were saying really creepy things. And I was bartending and she didn't have a phone because, you know, she had got her phone stolen or something and she didn't have a way to get home and she was going to have to walk home from the bar. And I had met her literally minutes before, pretty much. I mean, she had been at the bar for like an hour, but, you know, I didn't know this girl. But even then I was like, I'm going to take you home. <laughs> like, I'm going to have my boyfriend come pick us up and I will drive you home because this is unsafe and I do not like this, which is just... How in the world do you have a family member, a young, vulnerable child call you and say, I am unsafe, and there is any scenario where you're like, nah, I can't. Yeah, you know, the McRib's back. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I am at McDonald's, and the drive through line is, like, super long, and I don't want to leave it. So sorry. just figure yeah. it out. <laughs> so, yeah. It just... Um, <sighs> It makes me so I'm sorry, angry. I couldn't just walk past that. Anyway. No. <laughs> yeah. How? Yeah, it makes me incredibly angry. But at that point, Mihalina and her father were on the couch as she hangs up the phone with her aunt, and his back is to her. Michael then handed Mihalina a bottle of nail polish remover and told her to drink it and kill herself. But when she refused, he quickly turned around and drove the knife into her chest. Melina was in such shock that she said, thankfully, she didn't feel the stab, but she knew what had just happened and completely freaked out and ran to the bathroom. She said she knew her father was extremely paranoid, so he always had a gun or a bat or something behind every door in their apartment, and he had even taught her how to shoo off a gun when she was only six years old. So this is how she was raised. And so she runs to look behind the bathroom door for a weapon to defend herself, but there was nothing there. Looking back on it, she said she definitely would have shot her dad in that moment if there was a gun there. Wow. Yeah. So seeing that there wasn't a weapon for her to defend herself, she thinks to jump out the window, but the window was nailed shut. And after seeing there was no escape, she lifted up her shirt to see how bad the wound was because at that point she was still very much in shock, but 
after that, she saw the blood start pouring out of her wound and getting all over the place. And at that point, she knew she was really hurt and needed help. That's when she heard her dad on the phone with the police, which is weird. Right. And he was telling them that someone had broke into their apartment and stabbed his daughter and himself. So hearing him on the phone, she used that as an opportunity to try and run out the front door. So she ran to the door, but of course it was covered in locks. So she still had hope because she felt like as long as she got the door open and made it outside, she was going to be okay. And she did manage to unlock all of the locks and get out the front door. And Melina was expecting her father to run out the front door after her, but he was kind of just standing there in the doorway. And as she watched him there, as she watched him standing there, he, while looking at her, stabbed himself. She said it was like he was possessed. I mean, clearly, Jesus. After stabbing himself the first time, he took the knife out and then stabbed himself again. Again? Yes, because he told the police someone broke in and stabbed me and my daughter. So he has to have stab wounds. God, this is beyond unhinged. Yeah. The whole time, Mihalina was in complete shock, and she said she knew she should be running and getting help, but she couldn't move. She then sees her dad start to stumble forward, and that's when she started running. She ran to her next-door neighbor and banged on their door, but nobody answered. Then next door, still no answer. She had seen people in these apartments peek through their blinds and then shut them. Nobody wanted to help. This is another one of those situations where the neighbors see what's happening and they choose to ignore it. why Why is this like a running theme? I don't know. This is just sickening, though. Yeah, and she's she's like she's a, eleven. Yeah, she's like, starting the sixth grade tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Not that Kendra Beebe didn't deserve any help as much as you know Mihalina did, but if like she's eleven, that's a child. Like, I know. I feel like that's fair that a child deserves help more than an adult. Correct. Sure. I guess. Yeah. But it's just insane that nobody would look out the, like that they would look out the window and nobody would even you know call the police or like like what so she said she ran as fast as she could but in only a second he was right behind her because you know she's tiny she's 11 years old man he's a pcp right once he caught up to her he threw her to the ground and said just face it we're going to die there's no place on earth for us and as he was saying that olivia mihalina's neighbor friend a few doors down opened up her door and sees what's going on. And Mihalina sees her and screams to Olivia to help. And she said she wasn't even sure if Olivia had seen the blood, but by the look on her face, she was in complete shock. So I'm sure she did. But Michael had seen Olivia open the door as well, and he said to her, if you help her, I'll kill you. So Olivia runs inside. And as her father was holding her down, he said, tell me you want to die. And she said, no, I don't want to die. But then he said, if you tell me you want to and deserve to die, I won't kill you. So so she said, okay, I want to die. And then he said, all right. And he sits down on top of her. So she was pinned to the ground and she was wiggling and struggling to break free, but nothing was working. And then he took her hands and lifted them up over her head and held them down with one of his hands and then with the other takes the knife, and starts slowly digging it into her chest. 
He was doing that as slowly as possible. And at this point, Mihalina could feel everything. She said it was like a sharp, tingling pain, and it was unimaginable. The look on her father's face while he was doing this was like that of a monster. Again, she said it was like he was possessed and his eyes were black with hatred. No matter what she said or how much she pleaded, he didn't stop. It was as if she was a stranger to him and not her daughter. She started screaming and begging him to take the knife out of her chest. After a moment, he gets up and rips the knife out of her chest, and Mihalina just laid there gasping for air. Meanwhile, Olivia had gone into her mother's room and shaken her awake because she was taking a nap, and frantically told her mom, you gotta get up now, you gotta help me, Helena. And when Yvonne opened up the door and looked outside, she saw Michael standing over me, Helena, looking down at her, and he was only about 20 feet away from where she was. Yvonne had thought maybe he had just beaten Mihalina up really bad, but because she was just lying on the ground and she wasn't moving, because she couldn't see the blood. So she didn't know that he had stabbed his daughter and himself. And nobody was saying anything. He was just standing above her. Yvonne had two steps in front of her door. So when she went down these two steps, she said, Hey, Michael, are you okay? What's going on? And he simply turned to face her and then held up the knife without saying anything. So seeing that, Yvonne started to turn to go back up the stairs, but Michael had already begun to charge her. And with every step he took, Yvonne thought to herself, oh, he'll stop, but he never did. So as he's coming toward her, she starts backing up so that she never had her back toward him and went up her steps backward. But of course, she missed the last step and fell into her doorway and onto her back, as if it was a scary movie, and then he jumped on top of her. He had jumped on her so fast, and immediately he was straddling her and started stabbing her now. He had both hands around the knife and was stabbing her multiple times forcefully in her stomach. Yvonne grabbed the blade of the knife, in an attempt to stop him with her left hand and closed her eyes and concentrated on breaking the knife in half. She said she knew that the only way she would be alive is if she broke the knife in half. Not only that, but the only other thing she could think about was how she wasn't going to let him do this to her children who were inside. So she kept wiggling this blade and it actually snapped. Really? Yeah. The blade snapped, although she didn't snap it at the base. She only snapped off half of this blade. So he still had a knife, and now it was the widest part of the knife, which is arguably scarier, <laughs> kind of. I guess, but, but he, at least it doesn't go as deep. As deep, right. And he starts stabbing her some more. Mihalina was still laying on the ground, bleeding profusely from her two major stab wounds, but she was able to gain the strength to start crawling. She said she wasn't going to give up at this point, and this was her only chance to get up and get help, and she wasn't going to waste it. But as she turned over to crawl, she started choking, and she realized that she was choking on her own blood. She was gasping for air and rolling around, basically trying to get her breath back, but she was literally suffocating. There was blood all over her face and coming out of her mouth. I have chills. 
Yvonne was still getting stabbed and he stabbed her in her chest and in her arms. She said she didn't feel the pain of the knife going in. For her, it was the force that he was using to grab onto her and bring the knife down on her. She couldn't do anything either because she was completely pinned between the wall and her couch. And the next thing she knows, Yvonne's 14-year-old son, Alex, appears because he had been sleeping on the couch and had been woken up from the commotion. So without any hesitation, Michael sees Alex and gets off Yvonne and then chases Alex down the hallway to the bathroom. Yvonne got up and stumbled into the kitchen and started looking through her drawers and grabbed the first thing that she could find to be a weapon, which was a rolling pin. At that point, she was losing a lot of blood and it was really hard for her to focus on what she was doing and keep a clear thought, so she just walked to the front door to try and get some help. When she made it outside, she saw Mihalina still in a little ball on the ground outside, and only a few moments later, Yvonne heard Alex running back down the hallway and then out the front door with Michael chasing behind him, still. And when Michael saw Yvonne, he stopped chasing Alex and set his sights back on her. Because Michael was just attacking whatever was in front of him, if his attention got pulled away in at all that was the way he was going to attack it's almost like robotic like it's yeah he's like a zombie yeah i bet you weren't anticipating having a starring role in this story shut up (laughs) sorry about that one (laughs) this must have sucked for you not now can we have a moment of comedic release (laughs) relief if you will well i'm really glad the 14 year old seems to be pretty quick yeah seriously he got away from him on pcp and also i mean the bravery on that kid he without hesitation stepped in to like try to save his mom against a zombie man on pcp yeah so yvonne couldn't believe that michael was still going but before she could even really react michael struck yvonne across the face and knocked her teeth out and took her down while she was on the ground he started to stomp on her chest with his steel-toed boots like, he's very creative at this point. And Yvonne was trying to hang onto his boots to stop him from stomping on her. Alex had collapsed about 15 feet away from Mihalina, and she was still conscious at this point, but she was not doing well and was still suffocating. She said she just looked up and everything went white and she passed out. Somehow, Yvonne had gotten out from underneath Michael and had gotten up and started hitting him with her rolling pin on his head or her, his body, wherever she could. Someone had called out to Michael and told him to stop. And because of that, his attention was then directed toward that person and started chasing them. So Yvonne took that opportunity and went out into the middle of the street, hoping that a car would come by and stop. But even though cars drove by her, nobody stopped. Of course. And she heard an ambulance off in the distance, but at first she thought to herself, there's no way that this was for them, because where they lived, they heard ambulances all the time. But soon enough, she heard about three different ambulances and a bunch of sirens, and that's when she knew that they were coming for them. When the police pulled up, they cornered Michael with guns drawn and arrested him immediately. When the paramedics made it to Mihalina, she had no heartbeat but they had gotten her back by some stroke of luck and immediately rushed her to the hospital. 
and Mia Lena had been stabbed in her heart and in her lung. Those are her two wounds. How do you survive that long? I don't know. On one lung, right. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was literally suffocating on her own blood, essentially. Oof. I know. About a week later, Mihalina had finally woken up in the hospital. So she was unconscious in the hospital for a week before she woke up. And finally, when she woke up, she couldn't sit up or speak since she had tubes down her throat, up her nose. She had a tube in each of her sides, a tube in her stomach. And when she looked up, she saw that there was a bag of blood hanging that they were giving her because she had lost so much blood. She said before she went to the hospital or before this attack, she was 90 pounds. And when she arrived at the hospital, she was around 65 pounds. She lost 25 pounds of blood? Yeah. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Yvonne had been stabbed 12 times in her chest, three or four times, in her stomach, in her arms. She needed emergency surgery because they needed to sew her intestines back up inside of her because they had come out. Oh. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had one of those, you know? <laughs> one of those. Just one of those horrifying images in, your, in our minds. Ugh. Yeah. So Alex was stabbed 17 times in the back. By the time Michael had began stabbing Alex, he had the broken knife, which was the biggest part of the blade, so his wounds were really deep and wide. But he did manage to make a full recovery, so that's great. Amazing. I mean, I guess if it had been full, he probably would have punctured his lungs. Right. right? Yeah. Just but to, like, 17. There's any. 17 yeah. stab wounds. That's a lot. I mean, it, both Yvonne and, and Alex. I mean, Yvonne 12, Alex 17. Like, that's. I can't even wrap my head around what that actually means, you know? Yeah, I feel like you can definitely wrap your head around like two or three. Yeah. But. 17? That's a long time. That's a really long time and a lot of wounds. Oh my God. Michael Ortega was charged with three counts of attempted murder, but pled not guilty in court. Mihalina had to testify against her father, and she said she was terrified, but she didn't look at her father until they asked her, is the man that did this to you in the courtroom today? And she said, yes, it was my father, and she had to point him out. And she said when she finally did look at him, he looked calm, not worried at all. He had his hands crossed on the table. He was leaning forward, just listening, and almost looked confident that he would get away with it. What the f- he, he wasn't regretful or sorry at all. At all? No, he was just calm. He's like, she's not going to say anything. How is this a human being? I don't know. Like, he probably just fried his brain. Isn't that a thing? People who do, like, acid all the time, like, literally fry their brains or something. Yeah, well, I can't imagine this is good. Right. Especially if it's a psychedelic exactly. and a dissociative. Yeah. I mean, but that's another level of cold. You're just calm yeah. and you don't think anything's going to happen. Right. And he... He's not sorry at all. No. I mean, is he still high? I doubt it. I mean, he was probably in police custody for however long before they had to do court. So, I mean, unless they have PCP in prison, I guess crazier things have happened. But I... Although I guess he probably wouldn't be calm. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's incredibly eerie. I know. He was, thankfully, convicted of three counts of attempted second-degree murder and was sentenced to 22 years in prison. And like we talked about 
in the beginning, this entire attack could have been prevented. If that rookie CPS agent didn't send Mihalina home with her father, possibly none of this would have happened. I mean, he's, he still may have had a violent outburst, but also who's to say? You know, maybe he just would have punched the fridge again. I don't know. I think if he was an addict this deep and was this psychopathic already, I mean, that's what it seems like even when he's not high. Right. I think it probably just would have happened to somebody else, unfortunately. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly he was violent and unpredictable and terrifying. So, I mean, I'm sure at some point some somebody would have gotten hurt. If not Mihalina, then somebody. But my point was this stabbing was completely predictable given Michael's extensive rap sheet. So CPS and the social worker claimed immunity from liability. But... Let's talk about all the things that this CPS worker did wrong. The CPS employee failed to investigate what controlled substance was in Michael's system when he was arrested, which obviously turned out to be PCP. They failed to determine Michael had been a regular user of drugs and alcohol, failed to determine Michael was under the influence of PCP when Mihalina was returned to him, failed to learn Mihalina had been physically abused by her father, and finally failed to learn that Michael had once been ordered by a court not to have contact with his other children based upon his abuse of alcohol and drugs and his violent propensities. She also failed to discover he had an extensive criminal record, including 30 prior convictions, and the social worker failed even to discuss Mihalina's case with her supervisor. She, quote-unquote, investigated and promptly released Mihalina to her shitty father without a second thought. What did she do? Like, did she, she, I guess she looked at him. She's like, yeah, that's a guy. He has a daughter. The daughter is in a house. We can give him back. That has to be the extent of the, quote-unquote, investigation that was done because nothing was looked into. Did she even know her name? Truly. Like, did she even know Mihalina's name? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Did you she know, know Michael's maybe name? Best. Like, what? Yeah, this is really bad. This is criminal negligence. Yeah, but so did, there, there did was... Did they get immunity? Or did she get immunity? Yeah, unfortunately. So Mihalina's guardian sued the social worker and child protective services of Sacramento County and they defended based upon the public employee immunity statute, which states that, quote, a public employee is not liable for any injury resulting from his act or omission, where the act or omission was the result of the exercise of the discretion vested in him, whether or not such discretion be abused. That was a lot of words. Basically, they're not liable for something that they released a person to, even if it was potentially dangerous. Even if they abused their discretion? Apparently. So this is just blanket immunity. Right, exactly. So additionally, California law provides that a, quote, public entity is not liable for any injuries resulting from an act or omission of an employee of the public entity where the employee is immune from liability? That just went in a circle, did it not? I don't know. This is... It's too many, like, legal legal, terms. Yeah. (laughs) Too much jargon. I don't like it. Basically, they got away with it, and they didn't have to get in trouble for just this neglect? Negligence? What's the word? Like, stupidity? Like, Like, severe overlook. Yeah, pick one. So, that's incredibly disappointing. But Yvonne, 
said that she survived because her son put himself in harm's way to save her life. And if he hadn't, she would have been killed. So she is incredibly grateful to her son and to be alive. Yeah, and he's incredibly brave. Seriously. Nihalina said it wasn't her time. She was so young, and she said that if her father does ever get out of prison, she'll never have him in her life again. And she said she forgives him and doesn't have any hate toward him, but she'll never have him in her life. Nor should she. And honestly, period, Queen. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolute never again. Yeah. So, I mean, even the fact that she was like, I forgive him, I don't hold hatred toward him. I'm like... Huge. I do. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Yeah. And he didn't even stab me in the heart and the lung. Like, I, I hate him. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, we'll forget about him after this episode. So, like... <laughs> yeah, well, but I, I, I don't understand. know. Like, <laughs> like, it's just maybe disgusting. Not, but, I mean, you know, that's, I'm sure, very freeing for her. Yeah. That's probably the way to go. Yeah. I mean, if I'm... If you can get yourself there. I mean, I'm glad that she did what she felt she need to needed to for her own, like, mental health, you know? If this is what she needs, then power to her you know but i can't imagine going through something like that and being like i don't hate you yeah especially after that court scene right like seeing your father just be like so calm and like no remorse that's insane Mm. but anyway that's the story of mihalina and yvonne and alex and how they survived the crazy man on pcp (laughs) oh i completely forgot to say this at the beginning that sucks but anyway i chose this story today because i gave our patrons an option of what story they would want to hear as their bonus episode and mihalina's story did not win that vote so we're going to be talking about a kidnapping this coming week or this week that this episode comes out we're going to be talking about a kidnapping of abby hernandez who was kidnapped and like held in a storage unit for quite some time on the patreon but i chose this episode because i really wanted to talk about mihalina's story and this was you know one of the options so luckily for you guys the patrons didn't choose it but if you want to be in on this voting and this bonus episode-ness check out our patreon and you can be a part of that amen amen what's your good thing yeah um you go first my good thing is that I read a really good book today. Oh, you did. I did. Oh, you did. I know. Um, I have been reading more recently, which is like something that I've never done for fun. Like, which is stupid and sad to say because like, what? You don't read? Are you stupid? Yes, I'm stupid. I should be reading more. But I'm finally doing it. And here I am. I read a good book today. I read like almost all of it today. Wow, congrats. That's what happens when I read, though. Like, when I find a good book, I just, like, devour it in a day. And it's, like, satisfying to do it, but also then I feel like I'm a shell of a person. Because <laughs> then I, I'm, like, I'm so, like, in this world, like, so intensely. Mm-hmm. And then it's just gone. And then I have to just be right. okay with that. And then, like, nobody around me is also reading this book, and I can't really talk about it. I mean, I, I talked about it to you, but... Yeah, you gave me a, a dumb summary. I, yeah, I gave you like a, a spew of what happened and man, oh man. Uh, let me say, that's it, a good book. It's a pretty good book. That's it, a good book. It's called Verity for those of you who are curious and are looking for a read. But um, yeah, 
Wow. Well, you know, I remain stupid, so I just don't read. <laughs> right. You know, I don't feel the need to I mean, yet. we do read. We just don't read like books, you know? That's I mean, true. I've been reading books. But anyway, what's your good thing? My good thing is that we got Korean barbecue last weekend, and it was really good. And I stuffed myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. it. It's just food this week. And then we saw Kristen Stewart. Oh, we did see. <laughs> she was you right behind her. us. I mean, she was literally directly behind you, which yeah. was fun. We were at a bar um, near our apartment, and I was. We were just sitting having a conversation. We were like doing would you or not would you rather's? Yes, would you rather's? Yeah, yeah, and uh, just like having a grand old time. And then right behind Alex, I just like glance up, and it's just Kristen Stewart. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, and uh, I my brain was empty head empty no thoughts like i just could not function and then we had to leave because i couldn't do it but and then we got pancakes that was a good night oh i had pancakes twice that day that should have been my good thing literally also food it was just just food and food it was a yeah it was a marathon of food yeah i didn't even get to see her right because um she was with a group of people and i didn't want to be like creepy no 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 crane and look at her so i really only saw like her arm from the side yeah 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 i mean (laughs) seeing celebrities like i would i'm not gonna approach them like i don't want to make them uncomfortable but it's like oh my god and then that's it (laughs) yeah there's only a few i would like go ask for a picture or something yeah it depends on the context and like where you are and yeah you know but that was definitely not a moment to approach her no she was in a dark bar trying to vibe like i'm not gonna yeah intrude but anyway Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to check out the pictures of all the stories we post. No, hello. The pictures of the stories that we talk about. We post them on Instagram. Check out our Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or any kind of crazy story, send it to us at nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is nottodaypodcast and a Twitter that is nottodaypodcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.